You know, Jesus never exaggerated when he told us about the kind of battle that we'd be in, in seeking God's kingdom. He said, he said in this world you will have trouble. That's encouraging. <laughs> and he says, you're going to have to take up your cross if you want to follow me. You know, sometimes when you hear people preach, you don't tend to hear this kind of side of the message, do you? That's what Jesus said. And he says, kingdom progress, if you're going to advance the kingdom of God, we're talking about that, we're praying about it, we're getting excited about it. But if we're going to want to advance the kingdom, it's got to be forceful. How about that? And he says, it's going to be driven forward. The kingdom is going to be driven forward by forceful men and women. And the sense of that word is, is with violence. There's a kind of a violence involved in advancing the kingdom of God. And you see, as citizens of the kingdom, we are engaged in a turf war of cosmic proportions. And so if we want to pursue God's kingdom, we need to get ready to rumble because the resistance is constant and even violent. You know, make no mistake, the kingdom of darkness opposes the advance of God's kingdom. There's a war on. Did you know this? I mean, we know this, don't we? We, we? we feel it within ourselves, the battle. We see it in others. It's in the world around us. Because the good news isn't welcomed by everybody. And we sort of think, why? This is really good news, but it's just not welcomed by everybody. I don't know where you're at at the moment, what's happening in your life. Perhaps you're feeling a bit of this. I mean, there are all different levels of warfare, Perhaps you just felt like giving up. Perhaps you feel like, I'm just rubbish. I've got nothing to offer. Or just feeling threatened for no reason. You wake up in the morning and you have this overwhelming feeling of rubbishness for no apparent reason. There may be other stuff going on in your life, but I want to encourage you. That means give you courage. I want to say, don't give up. Don't give up if you're in the middle of it. As Winston Churchill famously said on one occasion, he says, when you feel like you're going through hell, don't stop. Don't, whatever you do, stop. You don't want to stop there. And Jesus, you see, he never called us to spiritual pacifism, but he called us to spiritual warfare. We're to be gentle with people, but our battle, Paul said, is not with flesh and blood, although sometimes it feels like it, doesn't it, when it comes very close to home. But look, I want to say some things to you today that will change the way that you think. It's about repentance, understanding the kingdom. It's changing the way that we think. And I think if we can get hold of this, it will even change your life. That's how confident I am in the message that I want to share with you today. So having said that, let me pray. <laughs> Lord Jesus, will you just come? Lord, would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see? Let your kingdom come here. Lord, I pray you would get into some people today and encourage them from the inside out. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give us courage, give us strength. Lord, help us to advance forcefully your kingdom in these days. Lord, we want the miracles to break out. We want people's lives to be changed. We want whole communities to be changed. Then, Lord, give us courage.
Give us courage. Thank you, Lord, for the stories we're already hearing, Sally sharing there. Just wonderful courage. Thank you, Lord. We want more of that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So the way we're going to do this is I'm going to go back to the book of Matthew. We're working through the book of Matthew at the moment. We're going to look at chapters 1 and 2. And I want to take you reasonably quickly through the kingdom warfare version of the Christmas story. Uh, So no candles or sweet lullabies here. It's the kingdom warfare version. And it's not so much about Jesus being born. The men, you're going to love this. It's more like Jesus being parachuted out of heaven by the Holy Spirit into Mary's room, uh, womb, even. <laughs> Under the cover of darkness, hidden there was the beginning of an invasion. Heaven forcing its way into earth. The King of Heaven sent to rescue us from the grips of sin and death and the power of Satan. And it's a very well-known story, I know that. So I'm just going to pick out a couple of verses in chapter 1 and then some verses in chapter 2 because God is getting ready to rumble in three deliberate and provocative acts. And here's Act 1. Act 1 is the nature of Jesus' birth. If you turn to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 19, it reads this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Right from the beginning, God broke all the rules. Did you see that? Jesus' conception contravened the law, Mary was pledged to another man. It broke all the rules of religion. It says Joseph was faithful to the law. And it raised significant moral concerns. Mary was an unmarried mother. She could have been stoned for her adultery. And Jesus hasn't even been born yet. Right from the off, there is a provocation to the religious mind and spirit. And even today, the virgin birth is controversial. I was talking to a Muslim priest a little while ago, and I was amazed at how the virgin birth alone is one of the biggest objections that they have to Jesus. You know, to the Muslims, and perhaps you're going to feel the shock of it as I say this, but to the Muslims, it's like Christians are saying, God had sex with a woman. That's really how they think of it. But you see, religion and kingdom do not mix well. Because religion can never lead to relationship. There are always too many rules to keep us from achieving that. But the good news of the kingdom has always been about God coming to man and not the other way around. But there's something else I want you to see here about the way that Jesus was parachuted to earth. And it's a very important thing that I want you to see. Firstly, I want you to see this, that God started the war. God started the war. In sending Jesus as the saviour of the world, God is the antagonist. Now, the prince of this world is being driven out as heaven comes near. So John puts it like this. He says, light shines in the darkness, and the darkness gets in a total mess. It just cannot comprehend the light. 
God turns on the light and darkness has to flee. Light on, darkness off. Light on, darkness off, not the other way around. You can't turn the darkness on in the context of light. You turn the light on and the darkness has to flee. It's provocation. It's provoking. Darkness cannot overcome the light. So that's what God did. And we are his ambassadors. We are from the kingdom of light. So when we walk out into the darkness, what happens? There's a reaction. Because we bring the battle with us. Do you get that? We bring the battle with us. People often say to me, oh, I'm, I'm really under attack at the moment. You ever hear people say that? And it can certainly be true, but sometimes I wonder about this. I mean, does darkness run towards the light? Or does light run away from the darkness? Because, you know, I'm not sure how much the devil actually likes our company. One of the things I've realized over the years is that if I keep very quiet and hidden in my Christian life, I can get through remarkably unscathed. There's very little opposition. You know, have you ever wondered why people seem to have such quiet, untroubled lives? They never cause any trouble. Now, when I'm attacked, it's usually a reaction to what I'm doing. Ah, I provoked a reaction, I say. I must be doing something right. I can't say I enjoy that, but I've learned to take some encouragement in knowing that I'm causing some trouble. Can you see it like that? Are you causing trouble for the kingdom of darkness? I'm going to talk about temptation next time, but often... What is happening in opposition is that Satan is is just reacting to what God is doing through us. When the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing, there is a reaction. God started that war, and we bring the battle. And Satan reacts to the kingdom advance. Get this, look. Opposition doesn't come because we've sinned. Have you ever heard people say that? Or have you ever thought that? I must have done something wrong. That's why everything's going wrong. It must be because I've sinned in some way. No, no, no. Satan encourages us to sin. So why would he be attacking us in that moment? He would be encouraging us. Neither is sin the reason why things suddenly go wrong. I mean, look around the world. Some of the greatest sinners are some of the most successful people. So that's not true, is it? It's because we are God's ambassadors. It's because we're covered in the light of heaven and this is a provocation. That's why there is a reaction. So let me ask you, are you ready to rumble or would you rather have a quiet life? Because that is an option. first act in God starting the war was the birth of Jesus itself. The second act is the presence of the Magi. Look in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. It says this, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we came, we've come to worship him. 
But I've had to do a bit of research about these guys because, you know, contrary to tradition, uh, these men weren't at the birth of Jesus and we don't know how many there are, but there would certainly have been an entourage. There would have been more than three. They travelled from a neighbouring land. They'd travelled about 900 miles and it would have taken them several months to get there. But who were they? Well, researchers say that the Magi were pagans, that they were schooled in the dark arts, soothsayers, astrologers, Magi-icians, magicians. And not the kind that do tricks at parties for entertainment, but they were powerful wizards who put curses on their enemies and cast spells. And you kind of think, why were they there? Why were they there? You know, why were these pagan, Gentile devil worshippers led to Jesus? Why did he allow these false prophets to witness his glory? I mean, these men were from the same school as Simon the Sorcerer in Acts chapter 8, where Peter described those guys as that man as being full of bitterness and captive to sin. And the same school of thought as Elymas, who opposed Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 13. And Paul turned around and called him a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. I mean, you wouldn't want those kind of men around your children, would you? And yet here they are in the house of the infant Jesus, who by this time was probably around two years old. But look what happens to them. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. It says that on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Literally, that's, that phrase, bow down, it sounds so genteel and so proper, was more like they fell to the ground. They saw Jesus and they fell to the ground, perhaps under the power of, of God, I don't know. And it says that they worshipped him. Well, it seems that they just couldn't help it. You know, they, they'd done the political right thing. They brought gifts for a king to pay their respects. But worship, that's too far. Worship wasn't reserved for a man, only a god, even in their pagan understanding. Something happened. And you see, God was the instigator of this too. God drew the magi to Jesus. Did you see that? How did he do it? He sent a light. He sent a light, a star, and it called them to Jesus. It led them right to where he was, even stopped over the house. I mean, was that deliberate or what? What on earth was God doing? I don't know, perhaps he was drawing Satan into the battle by introducing some of his people to Jesus. If you know the story up until that point, you'll know that there's, there's been no opposition to this saviour of the world so far. There's been no threats, there's been no trouble, there's been no reaction at all. It's almost picture-perfect Christmas card style. It seems that up until this point, Jesus had simply slipped into the world. And you know, I found myself wondering, did Satan even know what was going on at this point? Had he even realised what had happened? 
Whatever God's strategy was, whatever was actually going on, there's no doubt about it that God drew the Magi into this spiritual confrontation. They met Jesus, they fell down, and they worshipped him. Good confronting evil, light exposing darkness. And it says when they saw Jesus, they fell to their faces, and they they left, it says, filled with joy. If you consider where they'd been before, you wonder, well, has they, had they got deliverance? You know, perhaps it was in the context of outrageous worship, they just got set free. But they left different to how they came. It was an encounter, it was a spiritual confrontation, and we don't, we don't know precisely what happened, we don't know what happened after that, but we see God drawing men from the enemy's camp, even Gentiles in darkness, with a small light, a star, because he wanted them to be saved, and he wanted them to be changed, and he wanted them to be filled with joy. How wonderful is that? Right from the off, God laying out the battle lines, I'm coming. I'm coming for my people. And if we're going to advance the kingdom of God, there will be spiritual confrontation. They're going on actually all the time. Mostly we're not even aware of it. You're not even aware of the effect that you have on the place that you're in. Of course, you do affect the atmosphere of the place, you're anointed. You're full of the Holy Spirit. The very presence of Jesus lives in you. His favor is on you. He is with you. Don't you think some things are going to happen? I remember having a problem with somebody in my office and I couldn't understand what was going on. Why? I've not done anything. Just my presence seemed to annoy her. When I talked to her, it became obvious that somehow she recognized the favor of God in my life. She didn't use that phrase. But she said, you've been here five minutes and already people are looking to you. Why is that? The favor of God is on me. And I reassured her. I said, look, I'm not after your job. I'm not interested in that. I want to support you. You're doing a great job. Well done. Wasn't even aware of it. You know, when you pray, you affect the atmosphere. There's a spiritual confrontation. When you speak... When you speak out, especially when you defend those that are weak, where there's injustice, where there's no peace, where there's an atmosphere of fear, and you come into that atmosphere and you speak love, and you bring the peace that you are with you, and you don't come under that atmosphere, you change that atmosphere. Are you aware of this? I want to encourage you to deliberately practice that. Consciously go into a place with the presence of God with you. But often we're not aware of it. A couple of years ago, I was uh, asked to visit somebody in a psychiatric hospital. And for about a year, I visited this lady. And I'd go in, I don't know, once, twice a month at the most. When she was really ill, I went in twice, but normally I went in once. I don't know, I've been going about four or five months, and I got a request through the family saying, please... um, the psychiatrist would like to meet you. I said, oh no, what have I done? He said, no, 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 he he wants to meet you, he wants to know who you are. I thought, that's an interesting thing to say. So I went to meet him that week, and uh, I walked down towards him, he walked towards me, he was an African Christian. 
And as he walked towards me, looked at me, he says, ah, now I know why. And I said, what? He said, come here, let me talk to you. He says, I've noticed a pattern. After every visit, the young lady was better for several days. She came out of her madness. And he says, I also noticed that the whole ward was affected. And the pattern was, every time you visited, something happened in that place. And he says, and now I know why. When you walked down that corridor, all the demons scattered as you walked. Do you know who you are? Do you know the effect that you have? I didn't. I had no idea. I had no idea that was going on. I didn't think she was getting any better. The kingdom of God brings spiritual confrontation, confrontation, and darkness scatters. So you're ready to rumble. It's a God moment there. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Look at how God brings the war to the Christmas story next. Act 3, the troubling of King Herod. I suspect that God also drew the Magi to Jesus to draw Herod into the fray. Because it was the Magi that that actually brought the birth of a baby born to be the king of the Jews to his attention. He didn't know anything about it up until that point. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 3 to 6, it says that when King Herod heard about this child born to be king of the Jews, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And when he called together all the people's chiefs, priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them, where is the Messiah? Where, sorry, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Herod was shaken to the core because he wasn't the rightful heir to David's throne, but he was a usurper who gained the throne by doing a deal with the Romans. He was a usurper. Does that sound familiar? The rest of Jerusalem, the religious and the political powers were disturbed because a true claim to the throne would potentially unseat them too. They had it pretty cosy at that time. It may be why from the very beginning they were opposed to Jesus. They didn't want this king to reign over them. It was about kingdom authority. It was about authority. Jesus had legitimate authority from the royal line of David. He had a rightful claim to the throne. Matthew's very clear to point that out in chapter 1. We reviewed this last time. A king who would sit on David's throne forever, the Messiah. He also had authority, authority because he was the son of God, the Christ, and the anointed one. Herod was right to be afraid, and so he does what desperate and wicked kings always do when they're cornered. He resorts to murder. Matthew 2 verse 16 says that when Herod realized he was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he'd learned from the Magi. He used the information that he got from the Magi to destroy or seek to destroy this threat to the throne. 
And it's horrible, isn't it? But you know this picture of... This picture is a picture of the kind of opposition that we face too. Have you ever been surprised at the reaction, the strength, the fierceness? It's violent. It's aggressive sometimes. And that's because there's a usurper on the throne who doesn't want to give up his place, even though the legitimate heir to the throne is proven and his victory is complete. And so as many times as we look to advance the kingdom, there isn't just a reaction, but there's direct opposition and and threats, even physically, a thwarting of the purposes of God. And many of you will have experienced this, even if you've not really known what's going on, because sometimes we just think, what? Where did that come from? What is going on here? One minute everything's great and I'm happy, and the next minute everything's falling apart. And there are all kinds or degrees of opposition. So why does that person at work suddenly seem to hate me for no reason? Why does the job seem to get so hard? Why isn't that house coming to us? I thought God had spoken to us about moving into that location. Right up to the kind of thing we're seeing in Iraq at the moment. I don't know if you've been following the Vicar of Baghdad's posts. It's appalling. It's even physical, even to death. But that's where it comes from. That's the picture that we've got here. And we need to be wise about these things and not get derailed when opposition comes, and it will. It will if you're doing anything worthwhile to advance the kingdom. Now, this is a whole big subject, but I just want to say a couple of things because I want to try and change your thinking on some things about opposition. The first thing is, I, I want to say this, that just because you experience opposition doesn't mean that suddenly, somehow, you're outside of God's will. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever been told that? Oh, I must have got it wrong, because if, if it was God's will for me to do that, or to be there, or to have that, then it would have gone really well for me. It would have just opened up like magic. Rubbish. It's more likely that God is in it if there's opposition. I mean, look at the opposition Jesus had. Herod was trying to kill him. Do you think God had any doubts at that point? Oh, maybe I've made a mistake there then. I didn't expect him to want to kill him. No, it was the purposes of God. It kind of confirmed it. (laughs) He was a threat. (laughs) We've got to kill him. He's a threat. I remember people saying to us when we were trying to move to Solihull, well, perhaps it's not right, you know. I mean, surely if God was in this, you'd have sold your house by now. We were sitting there thinking, no, this just proves it's very significant, this move. We're having to fight for this. It's not true. It's a lie. It's the same lie that... The people of Israel told themselves when the spies came back and said, surely the promised land is not ours. There are far too many giants. It's a false gospel. It's not true. It keeps people out of the promises of God. It's spiritual pacifism, or dare I say, even superstition. Jesus said, you're going to have trouble in this world. But if you look at most Christians, you think, it's like Jesus said to them, everything's going to be wonderful. There are going to be no problems at all. You're just going to live on this panacea of peace and you'll float away on a cloud. 
You won't even need to go to heaven because life is just going to get great. If you've just become a Christian, I apologize. (laughs) Reality check. You are going to have trouble. (laughs) The early church understood this. Throughout the book of Acts, there's conflict, there's danger, there's warfaring, and there's persecution which perversely seems to advance the kingdom of God even more. So in Acts chapter 8, it says the church is scattered. But this scattering leads to the multiplication of churches throughout Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the then known world. We've been hearing similar stories from persecuted places around the world and I can't mention any names right now through Dave Devonish's ministry. The places where Christians are being killed, they're seeing a multiplication of churches. Big churches broken up, but lots of smaller ones going out. You ready to rumble? I mean, who or what is your Herod at the moment? What is opposing you or threatening you? What is, what is saying to you, you're not coming in here? What's challenging your authority? Because that's what it's about. You need to hold on. Let me say this. I love you. <laughs> Let me say this. You need to hold on. You need to hang in there. You need to stand on what God has said. You need to push through. And I have so, sometimes I think sometimes our victories are, are sometimes our victories are just that much more, and yet we give up or we go aside or we try and find another route. But the victory was just there. I don't think we'll know that until we get a bigger perspective from heaven. But I can see it when I look back on my life. If only I'd stood. If only I'd stood a bit longer and trusted a bit more, pushed through. As the Spirit was telling me, but I chickened out. The battle was getting too much. Decisions I wish I'd taken. <laughs> but God's ever so gracious. Often you'll find he brings you right back to that place again. He says, okay, how about now? Are you ready for an adventure? <laughs> I don't want a boring Christian life. I don't want a boring church. Sorry, guys. (laughs) I get excited about what God is doing. I talk about it a lot. It's a deliberate thing. I want to stir you. I want us to be adventurous in God. You better get ready to rumble. Let me just summarize for you and then... I don't know quite what we're going to do, but let's just summarize. The kingdom of God confronts. Did you get that? Darkness is dispelled. The kingdom is not passive, but it challenges thinking, current ideologies, and even appears to break the rules at times. The kingdom of God brings spiritual confrontation that often leads to opposition. And contrary to what you might think, this often shows that we're on the right track. Can you get that into your thinking? That's a change of thinking. You perhaps need to repent. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. 
I've just got the wrong understanding here. The kingdom of God advances forcefully. God started the advance by sending Jesus, but this continues through each of us forcefully pressing on. Opposition is Satan's reaction to that advance. And what opposes us is a defeated enemy, but he challenges our credentials with this question. Who do you think you are? What makes you think you can come into my territory? So do you know who you are? Do you know how dangerous you are? Do you know how full of light you are? Somebody told me recently that they, uh, they met some new age people. And uh, they said, what is it about you? You're so shiny. <laughs> you can see the light. And he's able to say, oh, it's Jesus. It's Jesus in me. I come from the kingdom of light. You're so shiny. Do you know how shiny you are? You're a provocation. Church, it's time to get ready to rumble. And for some, this this is about personal victories. I know this is quite a confrontational talk. I, I kind of felt that when I was writing. I thought, well, that's the kingdom. It's confrontational. Personal victories. Let me ask you, what have you backed off? God put it in your heart, but you backed off. You almost got there, but you didn't break through. You backed off. Why? You know, what has been intimidating you? What promises are waiting to be inherited by you? I mean, perhaps you've just been in that place of, I just feel like giving up. I just can't keep going any longer. I'm saying this compassionately, but I want to say it to you. Say, come on. I want to give you courage. Don't give up. It's just a lie. Or perhaps you've just been feeling, I'm rubbish. I've got nothing to offer. Or just feeling threatened for no reason. Just this sense of threat that you live with. I believe that God wants to set some people free today from that kind of opposition. So it might be about personal stuff, but for all of us, there are territories in the spirit that we need to step into. So what has been opposing you? What's been saying to you, you're not coming in here? What's been challenging your authority? It may be a strategic house move. It may be a job position. It may be breakthrough with your kids. It may be family issues. It may be salvation in the workplace. It may be a new church that's got to be planted. It may be a country that Jesus wants to send you to, that you're meant to be involved in reaching. New territories in the spirit. Maybe it's healing. Isn't it great to hear Sally's story about, yeah, I stepped out and I found I had the gift of healing. I didn't even know it. New territories. I thought that was just, you know, those guys over there. They're the super Christians. Are you ready to rumble? Or do you want a quiet life? (laughs) 
Oh, Lord, I want a quiet life. (laughs) Be ready to stand your ground. Do you know what it says in Ephesians? It says, having done all, stand. Some of us just need to stand our ground. Some of us need to push through. Some of us need to just keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Don't give up. The battle isn't over until you've died. 